My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. Hello and welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give participants in a wide range of social change work a chance to take a longer view as they talk about what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. On this week's show, I will be interviewing Rosalie Longmore. She recently retired from 15 years as president of the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses, or SUN. The work of nurses is an absolutely essential yet often underappreciated backbone to the healthcare system one that is a crucial site of struggle that not only continues to shape the scope and well-being of practitioners of this important female-dominated profession, but that contributes to the health of all of us through its role in shaping the healthcare system. Longmoor has been a registered nurse since 1976. She first got involved in Sun at the provincial level in 1984 and was president from 1998 until earlier this year. She talks about the changes in the health system and in the work of nursing over her years of involvement, about the challenges of working with a union comprised of caregiving professionals, about a critical strike she led that defied back-to-work legislation and court orders in 1999, and about the challenges facing the labour movement today. I spoke with Longmore by phone from Regina. My name is Rosalie Longmore, and I am the past president of the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses. I am a registered nurse, and I have practiced nursing since 1976. When I graduated in 1976, it was sort of at the tail end of what had been a shortage of nursing where the province had done a lot of recruiting and recruited nurses from Ontario at that time. So when I graduated, a lot of nurses had trouble finding employment. I was fortunate because I had worked as a nurse's aide at Extendicare, which is a private company that operates five nursing homes in the province. Extendicare had just purchased some of those homes at that time, and they weren't all staffed with registered nursing staff where Extendicare wanted them. So they essentially held a position for me, which was a permanent night shift position. And so I was lucky to start in that home. So because it was very small and we were part of the union, I got told that we kind of rotate the jobs on the local executive. So I did assume a position as president of our local and was involved in bargaining our contract then. And I was quite attracted to that process, the process of collective bargaining, and that's how I started in the union. I just, I just find it fascinating how, you know, the parties come together, and certainly during my career I've seen good and bad ways of those experiences. But where we both come to the table with certain needs or wants, and, uh, you know, sometimes they are needs, but often they are wants on both sides, and how the case is made by both parties. And I guess what's really rewarding is when the parties can mutually come to some middle ground on some really important issues, and watching how that process involves or being involved in it is pretty exciting. From there, I held many positions. I've been on the board of directors of our union since 1984, and I represented nurses employed in long-term care and was involved in bargaining. You know, we had something like 
23 collective agreements in long-term care, bargained them into one agreement, and then later, while I wasn't involved at that level in the bargaining process, they were eventually brought into our main provincial agreement. So all of that, you know, watching the progression of improvements for a sector like that has also been very rewarding for me. So give me an overview of some of the key experiences and some of the key accomplishments that you see in your time specifically as president of the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses. Well, I think that that was certainly one of my really rewarding experiences is being part of the committee that bargained the progression of long-term care until they were part of the main agreement. But it was back in the 1980s, even when they were separate agreements, we made sure that they had wage parity, they got into the pension plan in 1988, and made sure that that sector was brought up to the same standard as our other collective agreements, and that was a really rewarding experience for me. Then in 1999, that was just after I had become the president of Sun, we were bargaining the first agreement after a reorganization in healthcare. So what we were bargaining in that round of bargaining was not only the normal things that one proposes to improve the socioeconomic standard of our collective agreement, but we were also bringing nurses that had been covered by agreements under QP, under SGU, under the Sun Agreement. And so it was a very technical exercise in bargaining where we wanted to make sure that those nurses didn't lose anything that they had that was a better standard than our agreement, but also bringing them into our agreement. So we had representation from each of those agreements on the committee, in addition to the regular people that would be part of the committee. So it was quite a large committee. It was also a time where we were trying really hard to improve the pay for nurses because we were losing nurses at that time to the United States and to Alberta. And the nursing shortage was just becoming evident by people not being able to access vacation. What ended up was a very bitter dispute between what I'll say is the government of Saskatchewan because nurses exercised their rights and took a strike vote, and when we served strike notice, the government was immediately recalled and we were legislated back to work. And then what followed were several days of, you know, there was a court order to try and get us back to work. Nurses defied the court order, and we continued to try and find some sort of resolution that would get nurses back to work, but would also address the very real concerns that nurses had about their practice environments, losing colleagues left, right, and center, and the burden that that placed on those remaining at work. It was a terrible time for nurses, but working to get resolution of that and seeing the huge solidarity from the public, from other unions, from social justice groups all around the world. It is something that will forever be a very fond memory of mine. And I read something, I think it might have been on the Sun site, and it said that that strike changed forever, the the union itself. Talk a little bit about that and how it changed the union. Well, I think for one thing, nurses saw the power that they had as a collective. And a lot of that because they felt that employers and the government really didn't want to address their concerns. They went back to work. 
confrontational engagement, I guess, over issues rather than working to solve them. It's been very positional. And did you find that on the government side of things that after uh, the union demonstrated its willingness to strike if it had to in 1999, that they were more willing to take your needs seriously than they had been before? No. You know, I think there was individual MLAs were bitter. There was an election also that year in 1999, and several seats were lost. And they blamed us for that. So there was a lot of bitterness on the part of some MLAs, and I would say almost some revengeful policy decisions made after that. What did the union have to do to deal with those uh, negative policy decisions? We continue to this very day to have to prove that registered nursing has value, that by replacing registered nurses with other health care providers is not a good policy decision. It's not to say that there isn't a place on the health care team for those other providers, but it's not to replace registered nursing. And I think the nursing shortage probably reached its worst here in the province in about 2007. And we were working with our locals to identify it because government was trying to minimize it publicly. And we worked with our locals to actually have them do surveys so that we could say on this unit there's this many vacancies, this amount of overtime being worked, and so on. And we did sign in 2008 a historical agreement, which was an agreement between Sun and the government, to hire 800 more nurses. And there were specific targets set. There was money attached to that for employers. And there was also money for regional work because recruiting nurses to Regina is very different than recruiting nurses to rural southern Saskatchewan. So that the people in those communities could work jointly, the employers and the nurses, to come up with ideas to try and recruit nurses. People were really disappointed when the funding stopped in 2012 because the targets had been met. It still hasn't solved the nursing shortage in lots of those rural communities. And we're seeing, even in our larger centers, slide backwards because we're not focused on keeping nurses and and remaining competitive and listening to what it is that will keep nurses in the workplace. And what is it that is necessary to keep nurses? It varies a lot, but for sure we know that access to professional development having a manageable workload in survey after survey in Saskatchewan and literally across the country. It is workload and having a manageable assignment that permits you to practice the way you've been taught to practice, to feel that you've completed your work at the end of the day, that you've done everything that you could for your patients, and to be at peace with yourself as a nurse because you feel like you've given what was needed, required, and asked of by your patients. One of the things that many healthcare unions and many jurisdictions in the country have to face on an ongoing basis is a, a kind of creeping privatization that can be used as a way to erode workers' rights and pay levels and so on. Is that something that you've had to deal with uh, in your union? Well, there is beginning to be privatization. I can't say with certainty that that's what the motive was. I believe it's more to this government has, has again set targets to reduce surgical wait lists. But when you say that, there's been this slow creep of 
unless I'm admitted to hospital and there is, you know, a small amount of physical therapy and occupational therapy provided through the healthcare system in that way. Over your years working as a nurse, how has the work of nursing changed and how has the system in which nurses work changed? I think the biggest thing is the change to the system when I look back over the years. So in 1988, we were on strike. And at that time, the healthcare system was still very much, um, we weren't health regions, we weren't health districts. It was each facility. And there was an administrator and a director of nursing in each facility. And I think moving away from that has not served us well. During that strike, I know the local president at the Regina General Hospital would meet in the morning with the administrator. You know, one day she'd provide coffee, the next day he did. They were working collaboratively to solve the problems that were before them that day related to our strike. Similarly, occupational health and safety concerns. They were the two people. Well, there were others, occupational health and safety committees and so on. It was the relationships within that facility that were solving the problems. And there was pride at stake. People wanted on both sides to have this be a good place to work. And that's why I believe that our move, first of all, to health districts and now to health regions, you know, who is responsible for health and safety issues at the Regina General Hospital? Well, there might be somebody in there that is the Occupational Health and Safety Committee, rep for the employer. There isn't one single person in that facility that is responsible. It's so removed. And that's what we find with every level, whether it's patient care, whether it's human resources issues, it's somebody in an office somewhere. And I don't think it has served the healthcare system well to move to that model. Well, while the work is similar, certainly advancements in technology, I mean, just the changes in something like medications are constantly new medications coming on the market. Those are good things for society, but it's why we need dedicated time to maintain current, to be able to use the research and evidence that is occurring at very rapidly around us to make sure that our patients are getting the best care that is available and that is known to be available. We need to remain current. But the other thing is that because of all these advancements, we're keeping people alive much longer. And so the people that are in our hospitals, and we've also added home care service to the healthcare system during my lifetime in nursing, the people that are in our hospitals now are very, very sick. And that certainly wasn't the case when I was taking my nursing education and when I first started practice, because people that came in for surgery were usually admitted a day or two before surgery for their workup. Now that's all done prior to coming in for surgery. And people are discharged just as soon as they can back to their home. And th those are all good policies as long as we've got the staffing and the resources in place to provide those kinds of services. So talk to me a little bit about your experience, and I'm sure there's lots of different experiences connected with this, related to how nurses in general relate to being union members. Well, I, th I think it varies a lot, too. I think in 1999 was a moment where virtually every registered nurse in the province stood up for nursing and for their rights. 
because they were so angry that government had abused their power by, you know, recalling the legislature in the middle of the night before we had actually even walked off the job. And a few short hours after we'd been on strike, legislated us back to work saying that we were leaving patients unsafe and so on. And then again, abusing their power by recalling the courts on a Saturday to have the courts order us back to work. So locals that typically wouldn't, you know, the nurses in these smaller communities typically would never have voted in favor of strike because we were a provincial bargaining unit, whether they voted in favor of strike or not, what was the total number count, not their particular local. So all of them walked off the job. Well, there were one or two nurses that did subsequently cross the line and go back to work. We said that it was up to nurses because it was an illegal strike. It was up to them, but I would not tell them to go back to work. And nurses stayed off. And that, to me, was a very, very strong message because, like you say, nurses are professional and they have ambivalent feelings about being part of a union movement that is taking strike action and their professional responsibility to their patients. So over the years, attendance at union meetings is not high. It's when, we, when we're talking about things like the collective agreement and possible strike action that we would get more members at a meeting. And it is that whole thing about their practice. And nurses have always and probably always will have ambivalent feelings about that. But um, I think it's a strong message when they all stayed off work, even though we said that they should make their own personal decision about returning. And talk a little bit more about that tension between... On the one hand, I'm sure recognizing that their own working conditions are the conditions under which their patients get cared for. So if they improve their working conditions, they improve their... But on the other hand, obviously recognizing that there are challenges to going off the job that nurses face that most other people wouldn't. In our experience, we have always created very extensive plans that we do well in advance of taking job action. So we ask nurses to look at who else is available to provide care on your unit. So for example, neonatal intensive care unit. Nurses there said they need one-on-one care. There isn't enough. So based on some of our past experience as well, our plan for 1999 is that we would provide one-on-one care to every neonatal baby. But employers still chose to use the media to dramatize flying babies out of the province and things like that. As nurses, we are taught that we have a role as professionals to advocate for our patients. So part of that is safe staffing levels. And nurses are very engaged on the unit level if we are making a case for greater staffing levels. They're very engaged in that. They provide us information, but they want us to do the work. You know, it's sort of a a bit removed from them because they want to carry on doing the business of caring after patients, and they want the union to take the message from them to the employer or, or government. I mean, certainly there are lots of members that are active union members and that do carry those forward, and they are throughout the hospitals, throughout all of our facilities. Similarly, if you look at long-term care, nurses there feel very strongly about advocating that often patients in long-term care facilities are treated as second-class citizens. You know, one day they're on a 
staffing levels are markedly different. And is that right? So nurses have very strong views about this and are very willing to share those views. It's about taking that next step and actually being part of carrying that message to employers and government that nurses aren't all. And I, I think that's probably typical of people in general, not just nurses' unions, that not everybody wants to be that face of the person that's taking it forward. Tell me about the union's relationship and also your own uh, with the broader labor movement. And I'm thinking specifically of the context of Sun being a union that's predominantly comprised of women, I would guess, and the history of there being kind of a trade unions women's movement and the need to work to make space for women workers in the broader labor movement. Historically, we were not part of the broader labor movement until the 90s. We, first of all, voted to join the Saskatchewan Federation of Labor. We joined, I want to say, maybe 1993, because I know we voted to join the CLC as well, and all of that would have been prior to 1999. But in the second half of the 90s is when we became part of the broader labor movement. We would get resolutions to our annual meeting, probably starting back in the 80s, And typically they would come from someone whose husband might be quite involved in the labor movement through another union and and would try to articulate the benefits. But again, it is the professionalism versus unionism that was the struggle for nursing in general because they would see other unions perhaps on strike where there was violence on the pickup line and some of those things. So in the debates, those were the things that were brought up about why we shouldn't become part of the labor movement. But I think as we educated our members more about the value of collective action on broad issues like pension, occupational health and safety, and some of those, we were able to convince that it was the right thing to do to become part of the broader labor movement and try to make better working life for everyone in our society, not just ourselves. It wasn't so much about, because obviously we were, it's a female-dominated profession, so within our union, it's more the men in our union that probably have a harder time, although right now we have three males on our 12-member board, so given the number of males in nursing, I think they're well represented on our board. In the broader labor movement, we've probably been more involved in issues like occupational health and safety. We've had members on the Women's Committee of the SFL, the Saskatchewan Federation of Labor, but to actually be actively involved in the women's movement while people as individuals are, I can't say that our union has been a strong force in that area. Occupational health and safety and more the human rights aspect of But nurses, the area that they're really passionate about is the social determinants of health. We see more and more our members being drawn to those kinds of movements where we're trying to make things better for those who are more vulnerable in our society in terms of the social determinants of health. I asked Longmore for her thoughts on the direction of the labor movement. Like labor everywhere, we're at a crossroads where we need to take a hard look at ourselves There's lots of polling that says that labor has to change their image, and I think lots of unions are working towards that. And I think the Federation of Labor here and 
probably in lots of other places too. We have to examine ourselves, labor councils have to examine ourselves and decide how we're going to respond to these polls and suggestions that we need to change our image and change our focus. Well, I think we need to become much more engaged with our members and with the public. So for the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses, I think we recognize that perhaps earlier than some other unions and the Federation of Labor and Labor Councils, CLC has. So we are already working on that, have initiated some work to do that. As far as Labor Councils and the Federation of Labor, I think we need to engage much more with the social justice communities in our province. I was just at an event last night where we were discussing this. You know, in the 1980s under Grant Devine, there were lots of actions that caused people to very quickly come together and form coalitions. And there were very broad social justice coalitions that involved many churches, peace coalitions, health coalitions. All of these people came together and we were working with one voice on many issues. And it seems like some of the actions, like this regressive legislation in this province, is going to affect much more than unions, and yet there isn't this same coming together. And, you know, we're asking ourselves, is it the leadership in organizations that's different now, and is that why we're not coming together? Some of it has to do even with the political leadership, because Brad Wall and Grant Devine are two very different people. And so how they're viewed by the public is very different. So there's a number of things that are different, but I think unions, everybody needs to examine what's happening to our society, to democracy, and we need to educate people that they need to use their voice in a way that will bring about the change that they want, in, whether it's in their union, in their province, in municipal government, provincial government, federal government. It seems like people have given up and aren't really, you know, we're seeing voter turnout less and less in elections, and we need to re-engage people. You have been listening to my interview with Rosalie Longmore, in which she talked about her many years as a nurse and as a trade unionist, including her 15 years as president of the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses. To learn more about SUN, you can visit their website at sun-nurses.sk.ca. That's sun-nurses.sk.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, or to make suggestions about topics for future shows, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link marked radio. That's talkingradical.ca. I'm your host, Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Sudbury, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, Gender and Sexuality, and Resisting the State, both from Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. 